0: Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Today, I want to conclude our series, and the subtitle is simply, Bitter Sweet. Bitter Sweet. And I can hear music playing in the background, which means I have not dismissed the band. Is that right? Are they still there? Are they still there? Thanks, guys. Come on, let's put our hands together. Great to have you guys with us. Thank you. Good to have you back, Kathy, after five weeks away. Pastor Ash and Kath are here, and she's there playing on the keys, which is just awesome. Fantastic. Thank you. Appreciate it. So today we're gonna to look at bitter sweet. And I looked up the word bittersweet, and it said pleasant, but including or marked by elements of suffering. Pleasant, but including or marked by elements of suffering. And I don't know about you, but I cannot think of a better way to describe relationships yeah. than pleasant, but including or marked by elements of suffering. And all the wives said. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because relationships require proximity. Yeah. Proximity is what causes both the bitter and the sweet. You think about it for a moment. The best moments in your life revolve around those that you are closest with. For those of you who have a child you know that that moment that that daughter was born, that son was born, that they came into the world, it's an incredible experience. It's an amazing moment. I got to witness three times the birthing process, all of our three children, and I, I, was, I was very close. I was even close enough to cut the cord. I mean, that's how close I was. It was up close and personal. And I've got to be honest with you guys, if you've never cut an umbilical cord... It, it's, it's tougher than you think. No one warned me about that. No one told me, hey, you, you need to get in there. You need to give it a good old hearty bit of a heave-ho. I'm like, man, this isn't working. I think the scissors are blunt. I was going to start gnawing at it. But, but I, I didn't. I, <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about this. But anyway, But incredible moments are up close and personal. I I can't forget not too long ago when we're in the beautiful country of Bali in January 2020 witnessing our firstborn daughter's wedding to an incredible young man, Nathaniel. It was an amazing wedding. I, I want to tell you, if you, don't, if you don't know where to get married, I, I'm all for destination weddings. This was just a phenomenal, phenomenal time witnessing our firstborn daughter marrying an incredible young man and just having a fun time with some family and friends. It was just an amazing, amazing time. What made it amazing was just the closeness the proximity we were there you can look at the photos but man we were there and every one of us has those amazing moments and those amazing moments always equals proximity it always equals closeness we're about to start a new series next week which Pastor Danny is kicking off called Close Encounters it's about people who had close encounters with Jesus if you want to experience Jesus in his fullness you better be close You can't experience Jesus in his fullness if you're just going to watch online. And we love our online family. We do. We do. But you can't experience the fullness of Jesus if you get someone else to read the Bible. You can't experience the fullness of Jesus if someone else is praying. We have to be close. We have to be up close and personal in order to receive the fullness of Jesus. And in order to receive the fullness of relationships, you need to be up close and personal. Why? Because relationships equal proximity that's the upside there is a downside the downside with closeness comes the bitter if you think about your worst moments in life it usually has something to do with the closeness of people it could be a betrayal now you can't be betrayed unless someone's close You think about that person that cuts you off in the traffic. You think about that person that gives you the bird that you don't know. It's annoying, but you still don't worry about it. But when someone who's close to you, someone that you love, someone that you trusted betrays you, it's like, ouch. Where did that ouch come from? Proximity. Closeness. What about divorce? What about death? Do you know people die every day of the week? Every day of the year, hundreds, thousands of people die. And we don't shed a tear. But man, when they're close, yeah. Yeah. when it's a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, an auntie, an uncle, a son, man, that hurts. Man, that is, that is bitter. Yeah. Yeah. That hurts. And if we're not careful... The bitter can outweigh the sweet. They're both there, but if we're not careful, the bitter can outweigh the sweet. This is what I know. No one ever sets out to become bitter. I've never heard a child yet say, oh man, Pastor Tony, I can't wait to grow up and become old and bitter and cynical. That's going to be awesome. Say, so why do you say that? Oh, I just look at all the old people. They're bitter. They're cynical. I can't wait. Good. I'm glad. we got one. There's one. Thank you. There's one that's not bitter. That's awesome. Proving my point. But, but, but you know, do you know what I mean? And yet, sadly, so many young people who never set out to be bitter, guess what? Become bitter, cynical, and twisted. And I don't know about you, but that's sad. And that's what bitterness is. Bitterness is a hidden destroyer. It destroys our lives. Hebrews chapter 12 says it this way. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Wouldn't wouldn't the world be better if everyone made every effort to live in peace? Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You know, they say that when you're looking at a tree, you're only looking at half the tree. Why? Because underground there is a root system, as we see in this picture here. So, whenever you look at a tree, you're only looking at half a tree because half the tree is underground, it's out of sight, it's hidden. And as I've already mentioned before, that's what bitterness is bitterness is a hidden destroyer, it's something that's underground. It's something you don't necessarily see and it creeps up on you. We know, based upon week one, that the devil has schemes. Most of the time, we're not fighting the devil per se. We're fighting his schemes. And what is his scheme? His scheme is to destroy. He comes to kill, steal and destroy. Everything that is good and everything that is godly, the devil wants to destroy it. He hates godly marriages. He hates godly churches. He hates godly worship. And he wants to destroy everything that is good and everything that is from God. That's his scheme. His scheme is to destroy. But the devil also has strategies, and his strategy is to divide. If I can have my two volunteers come up here, that would be fantastic. Let's welcome Nat and Jordan. Come Down here onto this little stage, that'd be awesome. This is my firstborn daughter, Jordan. This is the one I was telling you about that got married in January 2020, just before COVID, in Bali. And this is the young man that she married, Nathaniel. How are you, mate? You good? Good. Fantastic. Jordan is five days older than that. But, but not wiser. Oh, you man, you're just <laughs> You're making what I'm about to say very easy, so easy, so easy. And Nathaniel has had a crush on my daughter since about grade four, give or take. So, and Jordan did not feel the same because of the comments like that. I had to match it. And she didn't feel anything for him in grade four, grade five, grade six, grade seven, grade eight, grade nine, grade ten. And the whole time, Nathaniel just kept crushing on her. But eventually, and this is why I love Nathaniel. One of the things I love about Nathaniel is his persistence. You are persistent. I'll give you that. And in year 11, there was a shift. There was a change. There was something that happened that was a catalyst for Jordan waking up and realizing that there's something about this man. And they started dating in year 11, dated for four, five years, give or take, and then got married on January 24, 2020, yeah. in Bali. It was amazing. Wasn't it amazing? It was amazing. Was it amazing? It was, it was amazing. And this. <laughs> it was amazing? I, I don't know what happened there. Anyway, I'm so confused right now. But, but this is what I know God wants to. Join them together. That, that's God's plan. God's plan is to join them together. The devil wants to do the exact opposite. He wants to divide. God wants to join. The devil wants to divide. We had a great wedding, great celebration, great honeymoon. Yeah, honeymoon. Yeah, cool. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Amazing. And every day since this amazing union, the devil's like saying, no, I don't like that. I don't want that. And then they have another great day and the devil's like, I don't like that. I, this is what the devil's trying to do to every relationship, every marriage, every church, every leadership team. He wants to divide. That's his strategy. If you guys can take a seat, that'd be awesome. I'll join you in just a moment. We're not done yet. You can just sit there and just look at each other and and love and crush on each other and and all that sort of stuff. And remember the honeymoon and all the rest of it, it's awesome. (laughs) So the devil has schemes to destroy. He has strategies to divide, but he also has a tactic. And his tactic is offence. Offence. He will use whatever he can to divide. He will do whatever it takes to divide. But you know what? Some of the old strategies and old tactics work just fine. The devil doesn't have to be too creative to divide people because offence has worked really well for a long period of time. And so he just sticks with this offence. And this is how it starts. And and I want to have a bit of fun with this, but hopefully we can relate. Because this is what I know about relations. Because of proximity... We can enjoy one another, but you can't have proximity without those closest to you annoying you. Annoying you. So how many of you have ever been annoyed by somebody that you love? Look straight ahead. Look at Luke. Luke, you did the wrong thing. Oh, my goodness. He goes, yes, I have. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and you've just done something to annoy your wife. I know that. Without, I can just read It's all over her right now. But when, when, when we uh, get annoyed, it can be a problem that gets in the way of our closeness and proximity. It, it could just be something little, and it usually is something little. It's usually something small like driving a car. You know, when my wife's driving, my my standard line is, come on, speed up, hurry up, hurry up, get in that gap. Oh, so annoying, so slow. When I drive, she's like, slow down, slow down, slow down, (laughs) slow down. That would never happen with this relationship, would it? (laughs) See, they're young, they're in love. They haven't even been married three years yet. You wait, you wait. If it hasn't happened... it's gonna come but I'm sure I I think I think just a a moment ago there was a little bit of annoyance that came into Jordan when you just looked at her and said she annoys me I I could be wrong I could be wrong but it's it's, it's annoying it's just those little things and because they're little we, we, we just let it go we don't deal with it we don't deal with it and if we don't deal with what annoys us guess what happens we tend to get hurt We get hurt. We start saying things like, he doesn't appreciate me. He doesn't appreciate what I do for him. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Sitting there just watching me struggle. That's okay, it's fine. I'm getting a little bit annoyed. And I'm a little bit hurt that you didn't help, but... Anyway, we're going well. We're going well. So we, we, we can get hurt. And because, you know what? He didn't appreciate me. You know, again, I, I think about my relationship. I don't want to put too much on to you, you're young, but, but, but for my relationship, I, I, I love to help people. I, I love to take a good situation and make it great. And if I see someone stronger, I, I, I love to get in there and I say, you know what? I can see you're struggling, but, but, but I, I, I can fix you. I, I can help you. I can make your life better. If you just listen to me and I think I'm, I'm just being helpful. I'm just loving my wife. I'm just loving my team. And Kath often comes out with here, stop maximising me. I said, yeah, but, but by me maximising you, are you or are you not a better person? Now, I know that would never happen in this relationship. It never happen. Never happen in this relationship. But uh, again, we'll just wait. And this is what I know about hurt. Again, it's something small. It's something seemingly insignificant. But if we don't deal with it, it festers. And hurt grows into full-blown anger. Anger. And now it's no longer that he just didn't appreciate me. I'm just really ticked off right now. I'm really ticked off because he didn't say sorry. (laughs) But what you don't know, Jordan, he made the bed and you didn't say thank you. (laughs) It's like I know. It's like I know. It's like I know. And, and you know what? He did cook the dinner, but just because it was half an hour late and now you're hangry, you didn't say thank you. You just said, why wasn't it here half an hour ago? And he said, why don't you say thank you? Excellent. <laughs> Anyone relating to this? And if anger doesn't get dealt with, it turns into resentment. And, and resentment is when you start saying, it's just not fair. It's not fair. And when we start saying, it's not fair, what we normally do in that moment is start comparing. It's not fair. My friend Susie, her husband, their marriage. Have you seen their children? They're nothing like our children. Their children are amazing. Our suck. I would never say that. <laughs> <laughs> but it happens. It happens. And the problem is, if we don't deal with resentment, see, none of this stuff goes away, yeah. it turns into full blown yeah. bitterness. And when there's bitterness, it creates problems. Psychology today said that all bitterness starts out as hurt. Maybe some of you today in this room or watching online are bitter at God because you lost a loved one. Maybe some of you are bitter because your co-worker got your promotion. At least you thought it was your promotion. Maybe you're bitter at the woman who's now dating your ex. Maybe you're bitter at a spouse who never acknowledges you. And the trouble is, when we don't deal with what annoys us, it leads to hurt. And if we don't deal with the hurt, it leads to anger, Which leads to resentment Which leads to bitterness Can you see what this has created? This offense has created a fence To the point we can hardly even see Nathaniel anymore This fence literally creates a divide And that's the devil's strategy And this divide leads to destruction. And that's the devil's scheme. You know what I often hear in marriages? I love him. I'm just not in love with him. Can I say when you've got a fence between you and your husband or you and your wife. It's really hard to be in love with someone when there's a flippant fence in the way. Yeah. It's really hard to get uh, intimate when there's a fence in the way. If anything, all you've got to come out with is splinters, I'm just saying. And so what we need to do, we need to dismantle the fence And the way we dismantle the fence is by dealing with our offence. And while this is not easy, it can be done. Remember, being offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. Let's put our hands together for Nat and George. Thank you. And so in the remainder of my time, I want to highlight a few things that we can do to break down this fence. Some of it will be a little bit of a recap, but hopefully we'll go out of this place encouraged that no matter what the fence is, no matter what the offense is, we can deal with it one step at a time. And the first one I would simply say is this. You've got to be honest. If you want to deal with a if you want to take down this fence, you've got to be honest. You've got to be honest. See, you cannot heal from what you are not willing to admit. If you don't admit it, you can't get through it and you can't get over it. And when you start praying about why you are bitter, you may be surprised. See, the answers aren't always obvious. Because they're underground. That's why it's a root of bitterness. And Jesus said this stop judging by mere appearances, but make a right judgment. In other words, in order to get to the roots, you have to dig because they're underground. So, what does digging equal when it comes to our lives? To me, digging simply means you've got to ask questions. You've got to ask questions of yourself and you've got to ask the hard questions of yourself. You've got to ask the questions like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I react that way? Psalm 139 says, Search my heart, O God, and see if there's any offensive way in me. The trouble is most of us just assume we're not offended. The problem's with them. But there's a challenge in Psalm 139 for us to pray a prayer that says, Search my heart. Search my heart. And we start digging. And do you know what? God may just reveal some things to you. And you might just be amazed and surprised at what God reveals. And what I know about God is what He reveals, He heals. Yeah. The second one is get perspective. Number one, be honest. The second one is get perspective. In Matthew chapter 18... There's an amazing parable, one of the many parables that Jesus taught. And all of his parables had a message in them. And in Matthew 18, he told this parable about a certain king who had a number of servants. And the king thought it was time for him to do an audit on his kingdom. And so he went to each of his servants to get money for the debt that was against them. And one servant in particular had racked up a massive debt. The debt was 10,000 talents. The king was so moved with compassion because this servant was unable to pay the debt. And the, grace, uh, the king was so gracious, he cancelled the debt. 10,000 talents. You would think this guy, this servant would be grateful. What the servant did, he went to one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii and demanded that he give him what was owed to him. The fellow servant could not pay the 100 denarii back. But unlike the certain king, this servant demanded that his fellow servant pay back what was his and had him locked up until he could do that. Now, when you hear a story like that, it's hard to understand it because we don't work in talents and denarii. And so let me try and spell it out for you, just how significant this parable is to you and to me. While we don't fully understand what a talent or denarii is worth, we do know according to Scripture that a denarii was worth one day's wage. And I googled what is a one day's wage here in Adelaide in 2022. And while there's a few variances, it averaged out about $300 a day. In Adelaide, you can earn $300 a day. On average. So a denarii was worth $300. $300. Now, every talent had 6,000 denarii to a talent. If you do the math, if you do the math, you will learn that the debt that was owed to the king was somewhere in the vicinity of 18 Trillion dollars in today's language. That's a lot of money. If you look at the other man's debt that the fellow servant owed the servant, it comes out at about $30,000. And the servant was happy to have his 18 trillion dollar debt cancelled but went after this gentleman who owed him 30k now let's put this in perspective if someone owed you 30,000 dollars that's still a lot of money I don't about you but if someone owed me 30,000 dollars I want it back I'm just being honest with you I want it back is there anyone with me If you were owed $30,000, how many of you would want it back? And how many of you would involve church leadership if the money wasn't there and you say, hey, I passed it, I think you need to speak to them? Because $30,000 is not nothing. It's quite a significant amount of money. And so when it comes to us forgiving, I realise that what we're asking of you and what I'm asking of you whenever I preach and what God is asking of us We understand, we get it. It's not nothing. When someone betrays you, it's not nothing. When someone walks out on you, it's not nothing. When someone abuses you, it's not nothing. When someone sexually harasses you, it's not nothing. We're not saying it is. We're not saying it's nothing, just get over it. That is not our heart here at Life Adelaide. We are moved with compassion. We understand that what we're asking is a big ask. In actual fact, I would dare say it's an impossible ask for most of us, if not all of us. But that's why Jesus told the parable. Because the only way we're actually going to be able to do it is by getting perspective. It's only when we understand just how much we've been forgiven that we understand how we can forgive others. And so that $30,000 may seem like a lot. But when you compare 30,000 to 18 trillion, that's the point of the story. And I've shared this many times before. I find it not only hard, but impossible to forgive when I think about and I'm stuck on the 30K. When I'm stuck on what they said and what they did and how much it hurt, I get stuck there every time. After doing this for years, I still get stuck when I focus on that. But when I take my eyes off the 30K that I'm owed, and look at their 18 trillion that I've been forgiven that's the only thing that gives me perspective to be able to stand before you today and say I live healed and whole and forgiven because of this wrestle and it's a wrestle I'm asking you as a church if I'm watching online to embrace don't look at your yeah. 30,000, whatever that represents. Look to the 18 trillion that Jesus did, did for you and for me. The third one is simply this surrender pride. Be real. Give perspective. Surrender pride. See, God can redeem whatever we surrender. Last week, we had a bit of fun at my expense about my personality. And and even today, if I do a personality test, it's going to come out with a strong leadership emphasis. It's going to come out with a strong confidence emphasis. And I don't know that God wants to stop that in me or take that away from me because he made me this way. And that needs to be celebrated. Whoever God made you to be needs to be celebrated. But there's elements of our personality that while they may not change, they need to be redeemed. And so I'm still as strong as I ever was, but I'd like to think by the grace of God, I'm more humble. I'd like to think by the grace of God, I've become more gracious, but I'm still as strong. Someone said to me recently, hey, Pastor Tony, this is what I was walking out. I still feel like punching some people in the head. I said, oh, so do I every day. I mean, seriously, I'm a pastor, but every day I, just want to, I do. I, there wouldn't be a day, too many days that go by where I didn't feel like punching someone in the head. I was Sorry, just again, I neither need couch. This is me preaching at me. But here's the good news. I didn't punch him in the head. Woohoo! But you know what? Not punching someone in the head, that's the lowest level win. That's the lowest level of grace that's the lowest level does that make sense it's the lowest level I think the winds start coming when we ask better questions And instead of just not punching the head ask questions like what am I missing Lord yeah. I've disciplined myself over more recent years to ask this question what am I missing why did I get so angry Why did that person, when they said that or did this, get me so riled up? What am I missing? What am I missing about me? And what am I missing about that person? That's a far bigger win. Would you not agree? I think the world would be a better place if we didn't punch people in the head. But man, I think it would be even better if we started to understand each other. If we started getting in people's shoes instead of getting in people's faces. I terrified a guy last night with my driving. I was about to go to the gym, it's about 5 o'clock at night, and I always reverse park in. And there was a car behind me as I was reversing in. I didn't realise that there was someone sitting in the car. But just because I just, I just pull up and I reverse in. But I'm good at reverse parking, I'll just be honest. i just, just call a spade a spade, I'm good at it. But the guy in the car behind me doesn't know that. And so he just saw the confidence in which I just whizzed in and the horn go, BAM! It terrified me. I didn't even know what it was. He was terrified. I was terrified. I'm thinking, You idiot. What are you doing? He's thinking, You idiot. And I remember having this moment in the car last night at 5 p.m., knowing I'm going to preach on this. And I'm thinking, Okay, what am I missing? I'm thinking, One, he doesn't know who I am, he doesn't realize how good I am at reverse parking. And I literally terrified him. And that was the right response for him in that place. So I calmed down. Got out of the car and went up to him and said, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were in the car, but honestly. And there, there, was, there was no problem, but I scared him. And that moment, he goes, oh, seriously, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have overreacted. It just became a beautiful moment. But I know in his heart and in my heart, In that moment, he probably wanted to punch me in the head. I wanted to punch him in the head. The good news is we didn't. (laughs) The better news is we resolved it. Are you with me? We've got to surrender pride. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And you know what the word confess means? It means to say the same thing as God. So if we're going to truly confess, we can't say, hey, Lord, I'm sorry, but my wife made me. That's not confession, because that's not what God's saying. Don't try and put words in God's mouth. He'll just spew them out. We're going to say what God is saying. If we're going to live free from pride. Are you with me? Number four, receive peace. I haven't taken these out, have I? We need to receive peace. When we do these things, we can not only have inner peace, but we can have peace with God. This vertical relationship. Everyone says they want to go to heaven. Well, in order to go to heaven, that's where God lives. And to be invited into God's house, you've got to have peace with God. And if you start taking these steps, guess what? You're going to be able to receive peace, which is amazing. Can you see the process? And the last one is a band comes up. Number five, you've got to unleash power. See, this whole series is not just about you. It's not just about you. There's a vertical relationship that we need to get right with God. But then there's also a horizontal relationship we need to get right with others. And I believe God wants to leverage the grace and forgiveness that we've received to affect and help others. In other words, true forgiveness is always secondhand. If I am able to give Forgiveness to someone. I'm just passing on the forgiveness that Jesus extended to me. True forgiveness is always secondhand. We need to confess our sins to God to have peace with Him. But you can have peace with God, but our relationships still be a mess. You can have one person who walks out of a marriage got peace with God the other person has peace with God but there's no reconciliation I believe what God is wanting to do is to create in us a power and a strength to be able to go the extra mile because if we're going to heal our relationships we need to confess our sins one to another we confess our sins to God for forgiveness we confess our sins to one another for healing of the relationships can you imagine if Jordan and Nat are hearing this today and they just go to God and say Father forgive me for being an idiot when it comes to the way I've treated my wife forgive me for being a jerk in the way I've treated my husband that's a start but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be on the same page it says they confess their sins to one another as we speak to one another and what happens is we have peace with God and we get peace with others I realise what I'm asking today is not easy and that's why we need Holy Spirit to help us to give us the power to give us the insight to give us the wisdom to give us the clarity to give us the understanding of what is really happening so that we can respond accordingly the problems in this world really are because we respond according to what we think is right instead of surrendering to the one Who knows what is right? The Bible says that we should love our enemies. And the word uh, bless, it says bless your enemies. And the word bless simply means to speak well of. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we get to the place where even those that have offended us, even those that have hurt us, we could actually speak well of them? And I believe with Holy Spirit's help, that can become our reality. We don't have to live offended. We will be offended, but we don't have to live offended. Living offended is a choice. And I hope and pray that this series has helped you to make good choices. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.